I've got my, my cat is next to me. He's got fucking eyes of terror. He wants to kill me. <clears throat> Welcome. This is New Taku, where we talk things anime and manga. We are not experts or gatekeepers. We are just fans trying to share our love with you. Feel free to interact with us on Instagram and Twitter at NewTakuCast. Our email is questions and requests at Nutaku2019 at gmail.com. Listen to us on Podbean, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, please. Please subscribe and share. I'm Jim. And I'm Frank. Frank, as I was explaining, my cat might interrupt me at some point and possibly scratch my leg. But it's okay. He's really fired up. You know, Frank, I went back to work this week. We'll talk about that in a minute. I was a little busy. And I missed some news in this beautiful country, the United States of ours. Frank, police shot another person of color, and two African-American men were found hanged 50 miles and 10 days apart from me in California. What the fuck, Frank? Why did I have to work and miss all this? What the fuck is going on, Frank? Jim, I, I don't really have any uh, any answers for you in that regard. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Statues that symbolize systemic racism are going down around the world. Protests for change against racial injustice are taking over the streets. But, Frank, I want to play a little game for, with you, okay? Uh, okay, alright. I'm, I'm game. A little bit of a surprise. We're going to do this ad-libbed. I... Was thinking of this this morning while I was hopped up on caffeine, and I'm going to try a little game. Frank, I'm not going to reveal your last name. If you want to do that, you go right ahead. But if I were to guess, I would say that you were of like Eastern European descent, possibly Polish, Czech, Slovak. Is that a good guess, Frank? Uh, that is a very good guess. Yes, I'm good. I'm good at this. Trust me. Uh, do you want to guess my heritage, Frank? I'll give you a hint. My last name is of French root, possibly. A transplant during Napoleonic conquests. Frank, what do you, what do you think? What do you think most of my heritage is? Uh, I think most of your heritage is uh, Italian, right? Yes, yes, among other things, as most Europeans are. So, Frank, with that established, and therefore giving me an escape clause against any of that Death reverse racism. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. <laughs> Frank, did you happen to see that Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA sent its finest forced, force imaginable to defend the history of Christopher Columbus, the feared, the revered, the gravy seals? Frank, did you see this? <laughs> yeah, I, I did see that. I did see that. They're, uh, they're really coming out in force for Christopher Columbus, and also uh, our great nation's targets. Yes, you know, and when I say feared and revered, revered, I mean it's scary to watch them eat meatballs, Frank. It's okay. I'm Italian. You're allowed to laugh, Frank. I'll give you permission. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> A little history for our listeners who are unfamiliar with Philadelphia. Frank, of Philadelphia. Frank and I are both live in Philadelphia. I'm I'm originally from Philadelphia. Philadelphia used to be a major port city on the east coast of the United States, especially for shipbuilding, and ha has what people like to call, I'll call them, quote, quote, working class white people, which the rest of the world would call what? Like fucking trash. So usually, 
these people are of one specific genealogical line. I mean, it wouldn't take much to convince me. There's some serious inbreeding going on. But in South Philly, in particular, along Broad Street, South Washington Avenue, are families of Italian descent. Can you concur this, Greg? Oh, yeah, 100%. And, oh, my God, these Goombas, all looking the same, dressing the same, protecting a statue, on the news, on videos online, talking, all talking like they have a mouthful of Amoroso bread and salt-cured meats. Frank, this city never ceases to amaze me and embarrass me at the same time. Frank, you have any thoughts on these uh, these gentlemen, we'll call them gentlemen, that were uh, guarding the Christopher Columbus statue? A statue, mind you. Not an ideal. A fucking metal statue. Frank, go ahead. Sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't really see the need to uh, quote-unquote guard something, especially something like that, an inanimate object. People are going through a lot right now. Um, you know, things need to change. And I get the feeling that some of these people that are quote unquote protecting things are really just kind of there to, uh, instigate, stir up the pot and, you know, beat, beat people up. I think that's what they want to do at the very least. I think that's their end result. I, I mean, I, I'll make this point and I don't think anyone that really needs to answer this. If these were African American, men and women that were standing out front of a statue with the uh, weapons and uh, some of the makeshift baseball bats, axes, things like that. Do you think they be, people would be so uh, uh, protective of them? You think these people would end up in fucking jail or beaten immediately? So if you want to talk about white fucking privilege, which a lot of people still don't want to talk about, there's your example. And I'm sorry, they're not my people. I'm Italian, Italian descent. I don't fucking know these freaking dirt balls. Fuck them. I hate them. Yo, fuck them. There you go. The return of the segment. It keeps going on. <laughs> We're going to have to do this every week. we got to overturn the system, brother. I agree completely. All right, Frank. Now, let's take a deep breath. How was your week, Frank? Well, on that note... Uh, I will, I started playing this game called Enter the Gungeon, which is this, uh, roguelike bullet hell game. It's kind of a mix of a diff- a couple different genres. It's on multiple platforms. I'm playing it on the Switch. It was on sale. It's like $7. Uh, it's a fun game. It's, it's very much like a, uh, an arcade style game where you die and then, you know, you kind of learn a little bit more about the mace for those of you who are not in the know about kind of you know the multitude of video game genres uh bullet hell games are like there's like a bunch of basically things firing at you um and you have to kind of dodge them and at the same time you're attacking so there's a lot going on it's it can be very chaotic and uh roguelike games are are games that usually have a random component to them typically like a uh, in a dungeon, but instead of having, you know, pre-established paths, it's random. So everything is kind of random. So it keeps some spontaneity to the game. And, uh, it, it's fun. It's got a one more turn attitude, which I seem to be falling into, uh, in the past couple months. So, like, it's very easy to find, you know, three hours have gone, even though you just thought it was 30 minutes. It's a fun game. I recommend it. Uh, Still reading Memory Police. 
I don't want to talk about it yet because I'm like three-fourths of the way done. And uh, I started watching Watchmen on HBO, and I'm a few episodes in, and it is uh, very timely. I, I like what I see so far. Well, not what I see, but I, I like the show so far and uh, would recommend it up until at least, you know, episode two or three. Um, Jim, how was your week? Right, we talked about, uh, I watched Watchmen when it was on. I love that show. That's just fantastic. And yeah, if you want to watch a show that's timely, good point. Watch it now, baby, because, you know, that is, that's serious business, that show. Uh, I had, went to work, Frank. Oh, also, quick brag, I destroy bullet hell games. I don't know what it is. 19, I mean, I'm still, might still have a high score somewhere in the world in 1943, the video game. <laughs> Man, I used to, I used to spend hours in front of 1942, 1943, and R-Type. Remember R-Type? You're too young for the original, but you have to have heard the, of the of the uh, the brand, correct? Yes, I've heard of the brand, but I don't think I've ever played. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I cut I cut an entire now mind you, I cut an entire uh, semester of summer school to go play R type. It, it's it, yeah, I I fucked up. I fucked up some bullet hell, baby. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, I went, I was back to work today and I am so fucking exhausted. Why do people work for a living? This is unbelievable. Like, why would you do this to yourself? I have an island in Tropico 6 that needs attending, Frank. Like, who's going to take care of me? I don't know. Not you. You're working. Oh my God. My legs are killing me. So we like, we reopened. Philadelphia is in the yellow now, finally. Pennsylvania was in the yellow. Some areas are in the green. We're in the yellow and uh, they gave us the okay for outside seating. And we were supposed to start last week, but protest happened and um so it started this friday and so we're like open from four to midnight from during the weekend and we're doing some you know it's weather permitting 20 people at a time there's all kinds of rules but it was fun it's good to see people i haven't seen in a while but i quickly grew sick of it by hour 30 that i was working in and uh, the key being that i was working they were not but uh it's good you know i'm in the smiles business i create smiles frank that's what i like to do and I, I created some smiles this weekend. That's good. Smiles behind the mask, right? Well, Say again? Smiles behind the mask, but I guess you have to take the mask off to drink, right? I guess. Well, uh, yeah. That's, well, you have to have a mask to come in, approach anything, enter the building to use the restroom, stuff like that. But when you're sitting down at a table, it's like four people at a table. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny, and I actually had to put an Instagram post on the bar's uh, page. Uh, we had four people show up without a mask. And like they came in and I was like, no, you need a mask. Oh, really? And I just looked and I was like, what the fuck have you been doing for the last 80 days? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why am I, these are adults. I'm dealing with people over 21 here. You know what I mean? I'm not dealing with teenagers. And it's just like, yo, man, would you walk in the store and get reminded every time? Oh, I got to go get some hot dogs. Oh, fuck. I forgot my mask. No hot dogs for me. Like, what? 80 days. I still got to remind people to wear a mask. Anyway. Wolf. <laughs> not good. So I wanted, I had texted you this and I left it out there. Now, you know, the bars opened in Philadelphia and it happened this weekend. So, you know, it was a free for all this weekend. I saw a lot of drunk driving. It was really crazy. Now picture this in your mind. Okay. We've got protests going on talking about injustice. We have nonchalant. People walking around like nothing's going on. Like they don't, they're completely oblivious to everything. Totally full of privilege. 
we had kids like I, you know, the bars up in an area on Ridge Avenue in Philadelphia where we have kids like probably 20 at a time just whipping through the streets on dark bikes, which I always think is fantastic. Oh, white people hate that. I love it. I think it's great, man. And we have the shadow of a pandemic, right? All this is going on. I got to say, man, Otomo was right. Akira is happening, man. Like, this was all of it. This is that scene where they're hanging out in the park and something blows the fuck up and the motorcycles and everything. This is it, man. We are living Akira. He was, you were correct. We talked about it. Space aliens visited him and he predicted the future. And the future is 2020. And we're all doomed, bro. We're doomed. Oh, man. When are the, uh, the psychic children going to come into play? That's really when it's like, it's time to bat down the quick. hatches. Yeah. Kill me fast. I don't want anything to do with psychic children. Thank you. What if my kid's a psychic child? Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. All right, Frank, you want to move on to some, <laughs> you want to move on to some news? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Frank, let's start with some congratulations. All right. You weren't entirely correct. But in our question segment from last week, of course, go listen if you want to know what we're talking about. You said you wanted a remake of the show Shaman King, correct? That is correct. The official Shaman King website revealed on Friday, we recorded last Monday, that there will be a brand new anime series. And it's a reboot of the original series that bring her back in Japan in 2001. Victory lap for Frank and his... Prognosticative genius. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is just goes to show that there's some added value by listening to us. You know, it's just two screwballs joking around about anime, but every once in a blue moon, I feel like we get something right. And for me, this was that thing. So, you know, yay me and Shaman King and fans of Shaman King. Good stuff. I only caught a couple episodes when it was on. I read the manga because I used to get the physical copies of uh, Shonen Jump back in the day. But, uh, yeah, I can't wait to check it out. It should be fun. Um, and now a Charlie Brown lap for me, Frank. <laughs> the official Twitter account for Thunderbolt Fantasy, the puppet show, revealed on Friday that the th- show's third season has been delayed because of COVID-19. It was uh, scheduled to premiere this year. Uh, the show's official website and Twitter account will announce the new premiere date when it is decided. But I think our, looking at our summer schedule, and I think our fall schedule is fucked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I guess it's probably for the best because I don't really know how they would uh, have had those puppets practice proper social distancing, so... It makes sense, you know, that you kind of keep them separated until things calm down, so. So, listeners, get those requests in so we can stockpile stuff to watch in October, because summer's looking a little light. I got a feeling fall is going to be light, too. Billboard Japan has reported the sales rankings for the first half of 2020. It starts from November 25th of 2019 into May 24th of 2020. And the top-ranking song in its general anime song charts called Hot Animation is Gurenge, which is the OP theme for uh, Demon Slayer Kometsu New Yaiba, performed by Lisa. And in a statement from Lisa, who I may add, in the most respectful way possible, is quite the lovely woman. 
One year has passed since the broadcast of the TV anime Kimetsu no Yaiba and the digital release of Gurenge. I'm very happy that the song has been loved by many people for a long time with the anime. May Gurenge continue to bloom and flourish in the hearts of Tanjiro and other characters who have shown us that they live strong despite being hurt and those who wish to be strong. Thank you very much. Frank, here's another little game. Here are a couple songs that made the top ten list of this anime list. What's it called again? It is called The Hot Animation List. And I'll read them, and you give me your impression, Frank, okay? Okay. A couple of them made the top ten. And these are what shows, obviously, that we have covered. So number nine in the top ten was Ray of Light by Jay June from Smile Down the Runway. Do you remember that song? Uh, yeah, vaguely, but not, not enough. It wasn't that much of a stick out for me. Yeah, me neither. I had no idea what it was. I had to look it up. But number three, Inferno by Miss Green Apple from Rick? Fire Force. Yeah, what do you think about that, Frank? I mean, that's one of my favorite songs of, uh, of that that uh year 2019 so i mean like uh it it's really good and that was one of those songs that i think you had said you had heard quite a bit when you were in japan correct that's right i was uh i'll never forget hearing it in a restaurant in osaka while i was chewing on fried mackerel and sucking down acai beers yeah i was like whoa this is the kimetsu no or the uh fire Force song and i'm sitting there like jamming to it i look like such a Nerd Odaka But that brings up a good point though, right? Because we have kind of touched on this a couple times now, especially with your trip over there. It's kind of opened up, you know, your eyes and through you my eyes as well, that, you know, uh these these songs, these are pretty significant over in Japan outside of even like uh you know, an anime context. Just on like a national level, like people listen to these OPs or these EVs. Yeah, they, they become pop hits. Um, it's something that's lacking in the United States on all television uh, and all platforms is original music for TV shows. Now we usually get uh, some cheap cover of a classic rock song, which is usually the case. A slowed-down cheap cover of a classic rock song is usually what we get, which always sounds really, really lame. I know it's for a new, newer audience, but it just sounds like... Man, just get somebody. Just just pay for the original or get some new music, man. I mean, honestly, Wookie, can you think of a song that was like a big hit from a show and it made in the United States? And I'll give you one, but it's from a long time ago. Uh, can you think of it? Uh, no, not that I can think of. Like, I, I can think of certain themes, but definitely not recently. And even then... I don't think that they would have been like played on the radio and stuff like that. The song from Friends was a big one, and it got radio play. They had like a video on MTV, but we're talking that's friggin' early '90s. So you're talking it's like 20 years, 30 years. That's a long time. Yeah, that's yeah. I guess you're right. Now that I think about it, that that one that one was played a little bit, but yeah, it's it's definitely not the same. Like I think of songs that I can remember that are kind of earworms that are stuck in my head, like the Golden Girls theme song that I, like, find myself right. singing from time to time, but never at, like, at that level where you're, like, no, nah, not... sitting at a bar singing it or something like that. No. Oh, 
Man, if somebody starts singing that friend song at a bar, I'd be like, man, you need to get out. You just took your, your cool card's gone. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Give me that cool card. I'm cutting it the hell up. This way. That's where it likes a joke, and that's something, something. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of clapping in music. I don't know if I ever discussed this with you. It's like one example of people clapping in a song where I'm like, okay, this is fine. <laughs> maybe, maybe more than a feeling by Boston, there's clapping in that. And I'm like, all right, I guess this is part of it. But you know, Clapping in music, oh, God, it drives me crazy. Got a little look into my madness. Are you ready for another one? Uh, yeah, let's go. Okay. The official Twitter account for the upcoming Uzumaki production by uh, Cartoon Network's Adult Swim shared storyboards for the anime adaptation, and they're using Junji Ito's manga as a direct reference. The tweet said, Uzumaki fans, we're working hard on the series, and we'll have more updates for you soon. In the meantime, here's a quick look at some storyboards for the episode one. As you can see, we are using Ito-san's manga as archive. We can't wait to terrify you all. And now they meant, and they also mentioned that they are not going to allow COVID-19 to delay the show. So they must be doing this um, remotely. But Frank, I had thoughts. Yeah, I took a look, and I mean, it, it definitely is straight from the manga, and I'm not mad about it. You know, a lot of comics in general can very easily translate from a storyboard because that's essentially what the medium is for the most part. I mean, I do know at least from American comics that, uh, a lot of the writers and the artists transition and do really well in TV and movies just because of the, you know, they're so used to that story telling method that when they do storyboards and things like that, it's, it's second nature. And I feel like not a lot of people kind of think about that because the storyboards are, the way you see the movie or the or the TV show before they actually, you know, start putting boots on the ground, cameras out or what have you, depending on what you're doing. So it's really it's really cool to see that they're they're taking the source material directly and saying, hey, you know what? This is it. I like it. I'm here for it. I'm hyped. I keep getting more and more hyped the more uh, the more we we get little parcels of information about the show. Yeah, that was a great point, actually. That was very well done. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about the show. Um, I was under the impression it was coming out this spring, but I must have been mistaken. Maybe it's 2021. Uh, this year's 28th episode of Shueisha's Weekly Shonen Jump magazine published the final chapter on Monday of Karairo Shirai and Posuka Demizu's The Promised Neverland manga. The manga's 20th and final volume will ship in October. Weekly Shonen Jump teased in May that is planning a special project for the ending and also revealed that the manga will get an art book and a fan book, as well as an exhibition starting on December 11th in Tokyo. Frank, did you finish uh, The Promised Neverland? As a matter of fact, I did. I read it yesterday when it was released on the app. Uh, I really enjoyed it overall. I had read a majority of it weekly. I think I would... Uh, I'm not too sure where. There was a chunk that I caught up, and then, you know, I was reading it weekly on the app. And overall, I thought the story was really good. I thought it was uh, very tight. There's very little fluff um, in that series, which, you know, especially some of the weekly shonen stuff sometimes falls under that trapping. But I didn't find that with this one here. Uh, my only complaint that I can think of with this series is that the ending did seem a little dragged out. Like, having read it 
there was some there were some delays with COVID, but for the most part, it has been weekly. Uh, the past, I want to say, two months felt like more, I guess, like an epilogue. It's one of those stories that finishes and then it kind of, you know, pitter patters its way towards, I guess, the actual finish line. And I had some concerns that it might overstay its welcome, but I like the ending. Not going to spoil anything. Well worth reading. And I haven't watched the anime, but Jim, I know that you had watched the, uh, first little bit of it, right? Or did you, you watch all of it? No, I watched yeah. both. And you liked it, correct? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, there's, uh, we'll talk about it once you finally watch it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm waiting. I'll wait until the show is over before I go back and watch it. Cause I jumped into Promised Neverland midway through the story. And, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything that's going on, but it kind of like, you know, there's a big reveal in the first, you know, early on in Promised Neverland. That's kind of like a surprise. And it kind of, if, if someone tells you it, you're kind of, kind of take some of the magic away from it, but I jumped into the manga at some point where I was just like, well, I don't know, like, what the fuck is going on here? So I ended up just, like, bouncing from it, and then I was like, oh, I'll wait until it all, I'll start from the beginning again, and then they announced the show, I was like, you know what, I'll just watch the show instead. My wife loved it. We watch it together. That's one of the shows we watch together. Well, Frank, that news inevitably, inevitably led to Variety and Deadline reported on Wednesday that Amazon is developing an English language live action series adaptation of the Promised Neverland manga. Rodney Rothman of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is directing the adaptation and Megan Malloy, also of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, is writing the plot. Sounds good so far. Uh, Rothman is the executive producer with Masa, uh, Masi Oka, who did Heroes, worked on Heroes, the old NBC show. And Netflix live action Death Note film. And the uh, Attack on Titan Hollywood film. And Vertigo Entertainment's Roy Lee and Miri Yoon. So Fox 21's Television Studios and Amazon Studios are producing the adaptation. Frank, go ahead. So, yeah, ahead. the creatives on it are, you know, kind of a mis- mixed bag. Like you had said, uh, Masioka has less than kind of an ideal... Uh, workings with the Death Note live action and the Attack on Titan live action, which I had never seen, but I heard the, the Attack on Titan one wasn't that good. Uh, it's a story that I feel like could potentially work as a live action series if handled properly. You know, some of these uh, live action things like Attack on Titan, I feel like are would be from the get-go very difficult to adapt. But uh, I'm hopefully like casually optimistic about it i mean it's one of those things where if we can just get one uh grand slam a slam dunk uh uh a hat trick i guess that's the equivalent in hockey i don't really know uh you know we get something like that that really just knocks it out of the park then i think it'll be good for for the industry in general or at least we'll see a lot more live action you know uh adaptations coming out of the woodwork just like we saw with you know zombie movies and tv and superhero movies and tv all you need is one or two big hits and then the kind of the floodgates open so that could be good that could be bad i'm gonna choose to see it as a mostly good thing here's hoping that that it uh it works out 
I'm looking into whether Masioka is working on the old Attack on Titan or if he's working on a new one. Um, he was though. Uh, if you got if you know you're listening and you had ever watched Heroes on NBC, he was Hero from Heroes. So he was. Uh, I think he was time traveler in that show. So it's kind of cool. He stopped time. Yeah, 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 yeah. He. Uh, and then he went on, and I guess now he's he's like a, a producer. So good for him. He seems he seems like a genuinely nice guy. I've seen some interviews and stuff when I was really into that show. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this is a newer adaptation, not the Japanese version of the adaptation of Attack on Titan, which I haven't watched, but I have heard nothing but bad things about it. So this would be a new Hollywood version of it. Um, Frank, I can't wait for it to take place in the '90s. You know, everybody loves nostalgia. Ray's definitely going to be wearing a Nirvana shirt, right? Yeah, definitely, 100%. Yeah. I will mention this is one of the rare instances where converting a manga or anime with a Western cast wouldn't offend me terrible, terribly, because there's no indication that any of these characters are of Japanese descent. So if you want to throw white people in, in there, then I wouldn't necessarily be offended. Same with Attack on Titan, because Mikasa's the only, it's, she's the only person that's implied to be of Asian descent. Even though it's a fantasy world, you can do whatever you want. But yeah, I wouldn't be like, I whitewashed it because I think the people are, they seem European in both of these properties. Yeah, de- oh, definitely. They they definitely uh, seem a lot more European. I think you're right on that one. So that's that's a good call. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't make another uh, death note, please. All right, so here we go. Here comes the dark news. If we didn't already start with dark news earlier, here's some more. Domestic girlfriend creator Kei uh, Sasuga tweeted on Sunday that she has been receiving an overwhelming amount of jocular insults, criticisms, and prolonged harassment from overseas Twitter users. Comments from overseas users appears to be in reaction to the final chapters of the manga. The series will end on June 10th. Sagasa's full thread is translated as follows. Uh, I've been receiving an overwhelming amount of jocular insults, criticisms, and prolonged harassment from Twitter users overseas, and it's been rough. Been rough. Thank you for all the supportive comments. It really does lift my spirits regarding the criticisms. I've been getting the impression that for a lot of people, the feelings and the attitudes of the characters were not fully conveyed. So I've been thinking of adding a bit of explanation to the Taco Bon, although I don't think the people who are complaining will buy it. She made a good point in a couple of the... I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, she made a couple of uh, good points in this uh, where she mentioned, and she mentioned it before that, the people complaining aren't, going, aren't buying my book anyway. Basically, I think implying that they're reading it illegally. So fuck them. They're not paying. They're not putting money in my pocket. Hell with them. But uh, she did say that she's going to steep. She's going to stay off Twitter. She's just going to read comments from um, any announcements, and she's just going to be. Up, she'll keep updating her Pivx, which Pivx is a uh, Japanese online community for artists. So I mean, she seems to be. You know, she took advice from people to stay off Twitter, and that's good advice in my opinion. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Twitter does a lot more harm than good. I, you know, we don't see too many stories in general about, you know, somebody being like, hey, I was on Twitter and all these people said such nice things about me and it really uplifted me. It just kind of almost seems like, uh, it's negative. You kind of get this kind of, uh, cesspool, especially with fandom, where the most outspoken people, and this, I guess, goes across most social media, YouTube, things like that, the people that stand out the most are usually the ones that are the most negative. 
And it's it's really a shame because I mean there's a way to criticize things without having to you know display such kind of venom, such negativity. You know, me and you, Jim, we you know we criticize things for fun on the podcast, and some things we like, some things we don't. But it's not it's never I think taken to a point that a lot of these people on social media take it to, where it's just like, all right, you didn't like it. That's fine. You can voice your concerns about it and move on. But the way that people do it is, is just too much for me. It's a shame that we got to keep covering stuff like this. But I mean, that's just the world we live in now. Yeah, I don't think it's going away either. I um, yeah, I think you know, to your point about us, I think that we give intelligent points why we would maybe not like something or something we think doesn't wasn't executed properly or maybe the source material is a little different. But I don't think we just like randomly go and like lose our marbles because we don't like the way a story would like or to attack someone and say that they should like quit their business because you don't appreciate where the story went. Oh, so your character didn't end up with the person you wanted to. That's insanity. Like I, we've talked about, I'm sick of talking about it, honestly, because like, the storyline, this fantasy storyline that you're attached to didn't end up the way it did. Just don't re- recommend it to your friends. Be like, you know what? Listen, it started really good, but by the end of it, I wasn't a really big fan of it. There you go. Boom. Don't go in there. You should do this to yourself, or you should do that. Like, who the fuck are you, buddy? Exactly. And, I'm imagining and that, they're all. I'm imagining they're all in. So right, and that. that's that's the problem I think with a lot of you know fans that act this way, especially with serialized stuff, is they feel like they have some sense of ownership. But at the end of the day, you are the ones consuming it. It's not your art. It's not for you to say how it ends one way or the other. It, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like you had said, if you don't agree with the ending, that's one thing. That's fine. Especially with this type of, you know, I think it was like it's like a romantic sort of um, triangle that they have in, in this. And uh, just because the one person didn't, you know, end up with the person you wanted, uh, that sucks. But then you move on. You, you say, yeah, I, I like the beginning. I wasn't such a fan in the end. And, that's it. You, there's no reason to attack people or anything like that. You, you don't have to like everything that happens in a product that you're consuming. It's it's not. It doesn't matter. It's not your work. You know. It's kind of ridiculous. Good point. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A return to our uh, weird shit from Japan. But this one we haven't done that in a few weeks. But. Uh... This one, sadly, is not as humorous as our older ones, or humorous at all. This is from the Washington Post, so we've gotten some coverage in the United States. The U.S. Embassy criticized Japan public, Japan's public broadcaster on Tuesday for publishing an inf- offensive and insensitive animated cartoon about the protests against prote- police brutality that uh, convulsed in the United States. I'm, I'm taking this directly from the Washington Post. Uh, broadcaster, uh, broadcaster NHK apologized for airing the cartoon, which had attempted to explain the demonstrations to its viewers, but made no mention of police abuses or the death of George Floyd in police custody, custody in Minneapolis. Instead, it showed crude caricatures of African Americans protesting and looting and ascribed the protest to economic inequality and the impact of the coronavirus pandemic, which is one of these major, my point is one of these major problems with statues and the like is that they're missing the point of all of it. Uh, the broadcaster said it initially aired the animation in the weekly current affairs show that also discussed Floyd's death and the anger at the Trump administration. 
the NHK, and NHK added that it was an attempt to explain the severe condition black people are under so viewers can understand easily. Uh, did you happen to catch any of these caricatures? I'm not going to describe them. I'll describe them as nothing more than just disgusting, imagined stereotypes of African Americans. But uh, did you catch any of them? They're pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I was actually able to find a clip that went up online, um, and uh, it's not good. It's definitely not. Uh, it's one of those things when you see it or you, you see images of it where I, I don't even know how it got as far as it did. It's like you said, it's uh, it's definitely offensive for sure and i i don't know how it, it reached that level i mean i guess them removing the video is the least they could have done it shouldn't have even gone up to begin with but here we are yeah i uh for our listeners if you're unaware that there's been uh black lives protests in tokyo as well in major cities and uh black lives matter protests in uh, tokyo and osaka major cities in japan as well a place that's not necessarily I mean, it's not necessarily known for bucking trends, but let's not pretend they don't. They definitely have protests and stuff like that. It's, and so it's good to see that this is getting worldwide attention. And also, um, some of the stereotypes that, uh, Japan has in general about all races is, it's pretty disgusting. They do it with Chinese people as well. It's just, you know, they need to be better. We all need to be better when it comes down to it. Well, shall we move on to our main topic after that? Yes, let's let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, since we're reviewing our first ever Studio Ghibli film, I figured I'd give you a little background for our listeners who have never experienced Studio Ghibli or maybe don't have any experience with Studio Ghibli. And I'll just give you a little background on the studio. Uh, studio Ghibli um, is a studio best known for its animated feature films. It also has produced several short films, television commercial, and one TV film. And it was founded in June of 1985 by directors Hayao Miyazaki, uh, Isao Takahara, producer uh, Toshio Suzuki, and funding by Takuma Shoten. And it all started, they all worked together on, on a film called Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind in 1984, and they all got together and they decided to create Studio Ghibli. Six of Studio Ghibli films are among the ten highest-grossing anime films made in Japan, with Spirited Away of 2001 being the second highest of all time. Many of the many of the works have won uh, awards throughout Japan. Five Studio Ghibli films have received Academy Award nominations. Spirited Away won uh, the Golden Bear in 20, uh, 2002, and the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature in 2003. Uh, the name Ghibli comes from an Italian noun, Ghibli. It's based on a name for a hot desert wind in the Libyan Arabic language. And uh, the idea was the studio would bring really new wind throughout the anime industry. And Studio Ghibli recently signed a contract uh, to stream through HBO Max in the United States, which I had to jump through some hoops with Frank's help to try to be able to watch. And it's the first time that Ghibli's been able to be streamed in the United States. But uh, we had some ideas. We wanted to do something that we hadn't seen before. And I wanted to do something a little different from the usual Ghibli fantasy stuff. So I picked, or we both worked on it, we both picked uh, 1993 television film Ocean Waves, or Umiga Kiko Eru, a.k.a. I Can Hear the Sea. Well, I like that name, I Can Hear the Sea. I kind of like it better than Ocean Waves. 
once again, it's streaming on HBO Max. Um, the studio, obviously Ghibli, but uh, Ocean Waves was controlled by Studio Ghibli, but much of the animation was produced by the assistance of J.C. Staff, which, Frank, you may remember from the most recent season of One Punch Man Season 2. Oh, God. Okay. You, can go, you can go back and listen to our review of that. Uh, Madhouse Studios, who did One Punch Man Season 1, no complaints there. Right? Definitely no complaints there. One's definitely yeah. better than the <laughs> <Yeah>. other. <laughs> and O Production. And we've reviewed this, and I highly recommend going back and listening to our review of 1987's Devilman the Birth. This all ties in very nicely with us. And those studios have worked with Ghibli in the past. It was directed by Tomomi Mochizuki, who did Rama Half. Right, it's Rama One Half. Rama One Half. And Kimiguri Orange Road. Uh, the source of the novel by Seiko Himuro. And the genres? Drama, romance, school, slice of life. Frank, what's slice, slice of life? Slice of life. It's like, a, you know, everyday kind of events, sort of, as you normally would experience them. And here is a synopsis. Ocean Waves is a high school love story set in Kochi, Japan. Murasaki Taku and Matsuno Yutaka, our best friends, when a girl from Tokyo named Muto Rikako transfers, transfers to their school. Excluding herself from group activities, she's eventually labeled a snob. Matsuno has a crush on Rikako, so it's no surprise that he gets a little jealous when Murasaki and Rikako start spending more time together. The rumors around school get worse, but Murasaki still insists there's nothing between him and Rikako. A little bit more background before I go before I go over to you. Ocean Waves was an attempt by Studio Ghibli to allow their younger staff to make a film for a re- reasonably low budget. Uh, it is a television film. It's about a little bit over an hour, an hour and fifteen minutes. Uh, it ended up going both over budget and over schedule, as most Studio Ghibli things do. But Frank, what are your thoughts on Ocean Waves from 1993, the television film? Sure. Go ahead. So. Ocean Waves is, as you had mentioned earlier, Jim, is is not a movie that feels like a typical Ghibli movie. You know, it kind of lacks the whimsy and fantasy-like quality that a lot of the studio's movies are known for. But it does a good job of playing to the strengths of the studio in terms of the quality of animation. I mean, it really envelops you and helps you participate in the world. Uh, it's interesting that you had noted that... Um, you know, it was kind of them letting the younger animators kind of get get a turn at, at making a movie. Because you can kind of see that in it, if you take it as in viewing other Ghibli movies, the animation is still is still very good, but I don't think it's up to that level. Uh, but it's still above most, most movies, especially in that time frame. Um, the attention to detail in the movie is probably its greatest strength. Backgrounds are fully fleshed out with outdoor buildings displaying power boxes and grime. Characters wear clothing that is very much in the fashion of the 90s. And uh, for me, not a shot went by that made me uh, marvel at the animation. Uh, they do a good job of things where they transition and compose shots that are framed in such a way that, uh, you know, the scenes open on kind of a small, short surrounding of white as to tell the audience that we are being shown a memory and retelling, because uh, the neat thing about Ghibli in general, and kind of the mind-blowing thing 
um, is that at its forefront, it is a, a movie studio. And I think they kind of always kind of have that in their mind. And it's probably why their production also always is like notorious for going well over um, its time frame is that uh, they take care when framing their shots, showcasing background and playing with lighting that you don't really necessarily see with other studios. So it's an interesting note. You know, there's things like uh, the thing that immediately comes to mind when I'm talking about that is there's a shot where it's like a uh, soda can. I want to say it's like a Coke or Sprite or something. Right. Sprite, right. Yeah. yeah. So, and they do this thing where it's, you know, it's in the foreground and that's what you focus on. And then it, the, the scene kind of shifts as it would almost as if you were watching, you know, a movie camera, like an, a legitimate camera. So the fact that this is, you know, in, in an anime is, is I think kind of amazing. Um, the biggest distractor for me and the thing that, uh, clearly I haven't talked about until this point is Probably the story itself. Now, I get that the movie is a little over an hour long, and uh, it was made for TV, and I get that it's a slice of life about, you know, young romance and all the drama that comes with its age, but uh, I never found myself really attached to the three main characters, and it... uh, This may have been the point, but it mostly feels like the, you know, the main character, Taku, retelling a story that has more weight to him than it does to the audience. And, uh, you know, as I was thinking of this movie, maybe that's the point. And maybe the point is, you know, we put more weight on our individual stories as being a lot more interesting than they actually are, especially through the lens of youth. You know, we I think as humans, we think of things being younger and uh when we're younger everything seems so i don't know they seem like there's a lot more drama going on there's a lot more you know things are a lot more important to us that as you get older you realize hey this relationship uh turns out wasn't as important as i thought it was or you know uh, this person wasn't who I thought they were. And it asks kind of those, those questions when you sort of think about it. But I mean, is that an enjoyable watching experience as a snapshot? I don't think so, at least for me. It did make me think coming out of the movie a lot more what the, what the movie was trying to say. But, uh, I think beyond the points I had noted with the animation and, and stuff like that, uh, I wasn't as into it. It wasn't as enjoyable. Um, but I do love the, the other thing I love is kind of the lo-fi romantic synth that they have. And I know synth yes. seems to have been really big in kind of that period of anime. So I was super into that. So basically I liked almost everything except for the story. Um, which is, which is, uh, I think kind of telling, but, uh, yeah, what do you think, Jim? Uh, the small details. You mentioned the soda can. This, the, Julie does such a great job with small details. Um, I'll give you some more examples. Uh, there's a man leaping for a magazine in the foreground when uh, Taku and Yutaka are at the mall. And it almost, like, he's in the foreground, but he, they put so much detail into him. This man who has nothing to do with the story, just looking for a magazine. There's a one scene where they, they pan to the school 
and it's a kid taking a free kick of a soccer ball in the schoolyard, and it's very similar to that soda can shot, where, you know, it's the ball, it almost seems like the focus, but it's, it's so, like, everything's in focus, but the ball is just this white light, and it just seems to just, like, draw your attention to it. It's very, very cool. And there's also a shot with uh, Taku and Rikaku's father. So you're looking at it from the outside of the building through the glass doors of this, their apartment, and a car drives by, and you see its reflection, but the sound of the car driving by almost overtakes the dialogue as if the viewer is outside the building watching. It was That was so cool. It's that attention to de- de- realistic detail, even in their fantasy stories, which obviously this is not a fantasy story that makes it so fun to watch. Um, I did enjoy how the story was taken from the perspective of Taku, which you mentioned about how maybe you had a problem with. Uh, the segues were triggered, and you mentioned the segues, which are fantastic, are triggered when he finds a picture that he took of uh, Rikako uh, on the beach in Hawaii. So like every segue is filmed almost like a photograph on a white background, which is very cool. And we get our Rikako is beautiful and successful moment, but sad and, uh, you know, it, you know, it, this is true because she has her misunderstood teen stares out the window during class shot, which is classic <laughs> and like misfit anime thing. You know what I mean? Like it's just like a trope at this point. Um, also there's the airport scene where, uh, Taku just walks into the airport. You remember when you could just like hang out at airports, like and wait for your friends to show up or your family to come home? Like, you can't do that anymore. That's a lost hard part, but no one could do that anymore in today's environment since 9-11. Um, I don't know. This, I, I love this film. I thought it was like, there was like themes like the young, like it's like young love, but divorce, the effects of divorce, adapting to the divorce. And like you had mentioned, ultimately how time heals things. And they even, you know, the, the girl at the end, she mentions that she's like, man, everything seems so important when we were kids and none of it really matters now. Like with a girl that was like very angry with her about not being part of this school festival. It was just like, it was so nostalgic to see her. Like, I didn't care. I just talked to her for like an hour. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it shows how like affection when you're young becomes like a longing when you get older and you grow. And sometimes the feelings and frustrations and anger you have towards someone are actually caused because you care about them. But everything is so important when you're young, you know? And the story, when you think about it, laid out, like you said, is very, besides the trip to Tokyo, which is a fucking disaster for both of them, it's very, very high school, very plain, very, you know, there's even scenes where he's sitting around bored in his room listening to CDs on a weird CD player, which, whose name I didn't write down the brand name. And the final scene on the train platform was predictable, but I thought it was beautiful. We got a happy ending. I almost cried, but I didn't. So, you know, that that was, didn't quite get me. Uh, I will warn for anyone watching this film, um, if you have never seen it before, this, the themes are very Japanese. And when I say very Japanese, there's like things like the importance of the end of school festival, which may not seem like a big deal to Western viewers. Like, oh shit, I didn't go to prom. Big deal. But, you know, uh, these are intricate parts of like the symbolism of transition from like kids to adults in Japanese culture. Also, as I stated earlier, this was attempted to create something a bit on the cheap. So you had mentioned it. The animation and backgrounds look great, but you can see the difference between this and like another other Ghibli products with bigger budgets. Like it's, they look fantastic. The animation is fantastic. It's beautiful, but to compare them side by side with some of their bigger productions, you can definitely see like that. It's a little bit, but it's still so well done. 
All right, Frank, your new Taku ranking. So I went with It's All Good, and mainly because despite the fact that I liked a lot of aspects of almost the craft of the movie itself, I wasn't so into the actual story. So that kind of bummed me out a little bit. Uh, but overall, I think, I thought that the animation for what it was was good. Uh, you know, I liked the music and, you know, that's two thirds of the way. So <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I also went with it's all good. Um, it's, uh, I, I found the story, uh, entertaining from the, you know, when you get the reveal at the end that it's like, the girl just says like, everything seems so big when you're, when you're a kid and, it really isn't in the grand scheme of it. It's such a little part of your life. So his, it kind of wrapped it up for me there, her saying that. And it made me a little nostalgic for high school, which I hated high school. So <laughs> it made me regret I didn't get a cool high school or child childhood. You know, I hated all of that. But, uh, you know, good stories are going to evoke emotion. And this one did. And I'm a sap for animated romance and stories of friends willing to go out of their way to help each other. And it was short, just over an hour, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm glad we picked this one, because it would have been easy to watch one of their more renowned films. And we pulled off our hipster pants, Frank, to listen to uh, to review Ocean Waves. Yes, that's true. Y'all thought we were going to do Spirited Away? Nah, nah. Too, too mainstream. Too easy. <laughs> too too easy, too mainstream. Yeah, well, you, you never experienced Ghibli until you've watched Ocean Waves. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it, yeah, I think we both agree. It's all good for different reasons. Um, must watch, maybe not, but yeah, it's all good. Listener questions. Send us questions on Instagram and Twitter at NewTacoCast or email us at NewTaco2019 at gmail.com and we will read them on the air. Frank, what do you think makes Studio Ghibli stand out from other Japanese animation studios? I think we discussed some of it, but let's just... Sure, yeah. Uh, I think that having a good enough track record with their work makes it easy to kind of go into a movie and know where the bar is at in terms of quality, and I think that's kind of a, a big part of Ghibli in general, where, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Ocean Waves, but I enjoyed different parts of it, and, you know, uh, you got to kind of respect the craft that goes into it. There's a great attention to detail in their movies. It makes them feel warm and alive. And I think a lot of studios kind of have problems with as much consistency as Ghibli has. They they, they just put out uh, a quality product nine times out of ten. And, you know, having a presence on the global scale doesn't doesn't hurt either. So I think that's kind of why they, they stand out above, above uh, most. Yeah, I think it's a, it's easily a melding of the geniuses of the medium. You know, you got Miyazaki, you got Takahata, Suzuki's the, the producer, and Shoten was the money guy. So it's like, they always surrounded themselves with very talented people. Hideki Anno, I mean, Neon Genesis Evangelion was wor- uh, hired to work on Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind before he helped create Studio Dynamics. And I mentioned their attention to detail. It's what makes the, their films stand out. And a lot of time and work is, and money are used to make Ghibli films. You know, uh, Miyazaki wouldn't have sold the rights to HBO Go or HBO Max if he wasn't reassured that he was going to be able to finish his his supposedly his last film that's he's been working on because it's been taking forever. And he was like, oh, well, money. It takes a lot of time and a lot of money to do these. But the results are undeniably beautiful. And even the simpler stuff, like the film we just watched, they have complexity and attention to detail. It's completely unmatched in any other studio. And it almost 
jumps out of the quote unquote anime world. And I always refer to, you know, like there's Studio Ghibli's by itself. I wouldn't lump them in with the production IGs who make fantastic products and stuff like that, but, and Madhouse and stuff like that. But, but you know, they make great products, but this doesn't feel like anime. This is an animated film. This is animation. It's not anime. Anime has a specific, it is because by definition, it's just a, a Japanese word for animation, but. It almost seems to stand by itself. You always know what a Ghibli film is. Frank, we... Got no, to- yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think Ghibli films are kind of, like you had said, like films, it almost kind of just bumps itself up to where they're almost not even animated. They're just It's just a film studio, and I think that speaks a lot to the quality of their work and everything that we had both talked about. Um, I also want to point out that if anyone hasn't seen it, I do recommend the documentary that is about, I think it's called, hold on, I actually have it up here, The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, uh, yep. which is a focus on Studio Ghibli, um, and a little bit more so Miyazaki, but it, it, it shows quite a bit of their process and kind of everything about them. I recommend it. It's, it's, a, it's a good documentary, especially if you're just getting into Ghibli films. Excellent point, Frank. Frank, we're 17 days away from summer 2020 anime season. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. It's almost like it's gone by in an instant. Because we've been distracted by other things. So I uh, I take a look at the list, and it's looking a little thin. We have a bunch of carryovers that were delayed from other times and carrying over. I think we have five shows, including ones we selected for spring that never materialized and we also have um fruits basket and the show you're watching it here on the sora that are carrying over so it looks like i'll be selecting something extra again this season but uh we're gonna do our uh let's take a quick look at these previews and pass judgment on them without knowing anything about them episode next week should be fun so uh looking forward to that frank what else you got planned for today looks like it's about to rain as I look out the window. Oh, no. I, uh, I'm making some barbecue chicken. Uh, yeah, right? Ooh. So I'm going to do that. And uh, I was going to go for a run but and maybe hang out in the park. But I guess if it's going to rain, uh, probably nothing. I don't know. It looks a little overcast. What about you? What do you what's on the docket? My app Ugh. says cloudy. Um, I've got a long day of sitting on the couch. I've got... Anime to get caught up on. I have New Japan Pro Wrestling is back without fans. I gotta watch that. I have laundry. I have exercise. I have the meal prep because I'm back to work now, baby. So I have to do everything on Monday because I gotta make sure my wife is taken care of. She's out there helping people in the healthcare industry. She's on the front lines, baby. I need to support her. <laughs> and then I have to go to work. Yes, I love it. Let's go. I'm trying to make myself out. All right, great. Everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us again this week. Once again, please share us with your friends. Tell your friends. There's these two idiots from Philadelphia that talk about anime. Give them a chance to come listen to us. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Cast. I have stopped posting on on uh, Instagram, and the reason being is that there's more important things to talk about right now, and I didn't yeah, I didn't want to seem like we were uh, so we're taking our own interests. Uh, ahead of the important things that are 
all over social media, but I'll start posting again this week. Um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NutakuCast. Uh, send us questions, share requests. Our email is Nutaku2019 at gmail.com, and we will talk about every single one of them on the air. Listen to us on Podbean, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jim. And I'm Five Star Frank. Five Star Frank. Combates, Five Star Frank. <laughs>